Hey everyone, this is Josh for the Solopreneur Grind podcast, episode 97, and I am really excited to have the CEO and founder of The Sketch Effect, William Warren, with me. William, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, well, why don't we get started by having you tell us just a little bit more about yourself, what you're working on now, and then I'm excited to dig into the background a little further as well. Yeah, let's do it. So I am a creative turned entrepreneur, so I never set out to do the business thing or to be an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or run a company. Um, my whole life, I was obsessed with comics and cartoons and illustration and uh, was always busy doodling and drawing and um, that was my passion for a long, long time. And then my career took a couple twists and turns, and I ended up in a marketing uh, a marketing role with a big uh, quick service restaurant chain and uh, doing kind of marketing stuff, working with agency partners, um, and, uh, you know, a, a role that was fairly uncreative in the terms of I wasn't drawing or sketching. So in order to have a creative outlet, while I was in that role, I started to sketch and doodle during meetings, <laughs> really just to make make the meetings more enjoyable uh, for myself. So I'd have my sketchbook out and I would take notes, but I would also doodle in my notes. And, uh, you know, word spread that there was this guy, William, in the marketing department who would draw during meetings. And sometimes I would get up on the whiteboard and draw for everyone to watch. Sometimes if I had a presentation to give, I would sketch out my concepts and scan them in and put them into my PowerPoint deck, really just to have a creative outlet and make make uh, what could be a, a mundane, boring work meeting or work presentation more exciting. But what happened is that people found value in that form of visual communication. They found value in taking concepts, marrying them with compelling visuals, and then, and then presenting it in a way that's more impactful than it would be otherwise. And so uh, that's when the kind of seeds of business started getting planted in my brain that maybe this was something that could be monetized, uh, could be made into a business. I did some research. There were some other similar firms out there doing this kind of visual communication work. And uh, based on the sense of demand and my passion for it, I decided to quit that job and started the Sketch Effect. This was in 2013, so almost eight years ago, which is mm -hmm. crazy. And uh, it's been a wild ride ever since. I was, you know, your cl classic solopreneur for about the first three years of that journey. And then by, by about the three-year mark, I started hiring hiring team members, uh, got an office, and started to scale up. So it's been, a, it's been a wild journey and a fun ride. Awesome. Yeah, it's it sounds like it. And I definitely want to get into a little bit more detail. Before that marketing job, what were what were you doing at that point? Sure. So like many people, I had an undergrad that I did not put to use. I, I got my undergrad was in political science. Um, I was really interested in like editorial, maybe doing editorial cartooning or, um, you know, something around that that angle and um, worked in D.C. for a short stint. Decided I didn't want to do that. Came back to Atlanta, where I'm from, and went to grad school at Savannah College of Art and Design. Because like many people, when you don't know what to do, you just go back to school and get the next degree. So. I got my master's degree in illustration, and around that time, um, I realized that I really, this is part of, this is an important part of my story, which is that I really love people. I like working with people and being a part of a team, and I realized that for many professional illustrators, it can be kind of a solo road, um, which many people love. Like, that's how people, some people are wired, but I knew that I didn't want to work by myself in a studio for my nine to five. I wanted to work with people, and so that's Part of the reason why I found out about this marketing role, it was entry level. 
uh, I was, uh, I liked the company, seemed like a good uh, company to work for. And so that's why I pursued that, that role. So I, fin I concurrently fit was finishing my art degree while also doing this uh, marketing role and learning about business and learning about branding and, and, and sales and all sorts of stuff that I hadn't previously studied in school. Right. And how did you end up landing that job? Because as you said, you you kind of have like this smorgasbord of degrees and experiences, but it, it sounded like you were kind of pulled towards more of a team environment. Was this just simply you found a job post and you applied? Was it kind of through your network? And, and what made you ultimately want to accept that job? Yeah. So that's a great question. So the, the role was it was an entry level at the time, part-time, eventually it turned into full-time, but it was entry-level part-time marketing role. And um, I did have some folks in my network who put in a good word for me, kind of uh, helped my resume skip that kind of first initial round of screening, which is always helpful um, to get it up to the right person. Um, and then just interviewed. I think that for me, my they were really looking for someone who was hard hard worker, could work with the agency partners we were working with, um, could uh, could write effectively, could communicate effectively, and so my back my degree in political science helps me build that, and um, and uh, yeah, so end up getting the job, and I decided to accept it because at, throughout the interview process, I really was intrigued by the co the corporate culture and by the people I met, and it just seemed like the kind of place I wanted to be, and that was some career advice that someone had given me many years ago, which was in your early years focus less on getting the dream job and focus more on working for a company or for a person that you want to kind of mentor under or be, be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, so that was sort of, that was the impetus to accept the job and to sort of pivot away from the art uh, kind of career, at least for the moment. Right. And then was it everything you expected or how, what was, what was it like? I guess that's a lame way of asking it. You know, how, how was it? Well, I ended up leaving after two and a half years, but no, it was it was amazing um, in the sense that I was surrounded by great leaders. I was exposed to, um, uh, you know, the basics of business and learned about marketing and sales and leadership and worked with a lot of agency partners. So I, w I learned what it was like to be on the client side of an agency client relationship, mm -hmm. which has been super critical for the sketch effect for my business because I know what it's like to be on the client side and I, I know what I, as a vendor, what to do and what not to do to make right. that relationship work. Um, and yeah, made a lot of friends that I'm still friends with to this day, but ultimately I was not leveraging the gifts that I was, that I was given, that I was born with. I wasn't leveraging the, um, the passions and the skills that I had in the form of drawing and sketching. So that side of me was starting to shrivel up. The creative side of me was starting to, to wither away. And so um, even though it was it was a fantastic job, it, it was not sustainable over the long term because I knew that my, my passion wasn't in it. Um, and so it was very um, it was very it was almost like magical uh, or providential. The fact that all of these things combined at once in the sense that I started drawing it at work. Uh, I was learning about business and I was hungry to do something new. So those three things combined, and it was sort of this magical moment where I thought, I'm gonna start a business. I'm gonna try my hand at this entrepreneurial thing, see how it goes. Yeah, it's kind of funny in, in hindsight, it seems like so obvious, <laughs> you know, all, all these, 
when you're kind of doing the right things and, and a few, you get a few bounces, you know, a few factors push you in, into the right direction. And in hindsight, it's like, oh yeah, that's why it happened. But, you know, during the time, you don't necessarily see it coming or, or feel it coming. William, I'm interested to know more about what was the first meeting where someone actually noticed what you were doing with, with the doodling. Like what was the first instance where that was kind of brought out into the, you know, into the public, public being the company, I guess. Yeah. I remember vividly, there was this one meeting we were in and our team was prototyping a new, um, a new marketing plan or, or a new, what was it? Um, it was a new marketing software and how it would impact the customer journey. And one of my teammates said, Hey, William, I see you're drawing in your notebook. Can you just like, redraw that on the whiteboard. We can just kind of work through it together. And I said, sure. So I hopped up on the whiteboard and drew it out. We ended up spending an hour or two kind of, kind of plotting this journey, this visual customer journey of uh, mm -hmm. this different stages the customer would go through, how this new software, this new um, marketing innovation would make that journey better and make the customer feel more successful and satisfied. And so that we end up taking that visual, I should look it up because it'd be fun throwback. We end up taking that visual and then making it into a poster, which we, our team then used to convince senior leaders that this, uh, that this uh, new thing we were working on was a worthy investment. And so that was one of the very early one, early moments where I realized that this thing that I'm doing really is adding value. I'm enjoying it. And people are, people are enjoying, uh, are using it to enhance their work and to make their their work more successful, which has become the value proposition of the sketch effect, which is what we offer to our clients is just to make them more successful at whatever they're doing by helping them communicate their ideas visually and uh, adding that creativity and that fun. Right. Awesome. Can you tell us a little more about what exactly are these sketches comprised of? Like when you were in those meetings, are you just kind of doodling around almost like note taking, but in doodle form, was it only for specific aspects that had a visual piece to it? And then maybe we can relate it to what you do now with sketch with uh, the sketch effect. Like what, what are the types of visuals that you're, that you're producing? So the industry term is called graphic recording. That's technically what I was starting to experiment with in my, in that old job. Um, the term goes by, has a lot of different names. You might hear uh, live scribe or visual note taking or doodler or live sketching uh, or sketch notes. There's a lot of different terms for, for what we do, but the industry term is graphic recording and it's essentially uh, taking content, which is typically spoken in real time in a meeting context, but taking content, synthesizing it, and then translating it into visual language using typography, color, shapes, icons, and of course, illustrations. So it's a combination of text, it's a combination of images, and then it's all put together using visual treatments like color and, um, and uh, navigational elements and wayfinding and stuff like that. So that's basically what I was starting to do and what we do now with the SketchFX, that's one of our core services is, is graphic recording or, or live sketching where we, and by we, I mean our team of artists, we've got, now we have, I think, nine, nine or 10 artists on our team that um, can do this sketching thing. But essentially we attend our, our clients' events 
whether it's a conference or a meeting or a trade show or a brainstorm session or a strategic planning meeting, we attend their, their events, we listen to their content. So we're actively listening and then we're synthesizing and then we're producing visual artifacts that encapsulate what they mm. were covering. And so obviously, as you can imagine, you might be connecting the dots, but last year, the last 14 year, months have, has been very disruptive for our business as every live event was basically shut down. So we had to make a pivot quickly to adapt our service to virtual meetings and virtual events. And grateful, grateful we made that pivot because if not, we might have gone out of business, but we ended up um, launching a virtual sketching service and ended up becoming uh, our most popular service and our primary driver revenue over the last uh, last year. Awesome. Well, it, it's good to hear that you guys did make that pivot as a lot of businesses have, have had to do in, in the last 14 months. I right. want to go that's back. Entrepreneurial that's the entrepreneurial yep. spirit is just, you know, making it work. Uh, and I, I love it. It's been amazing to see other businesses pivot and make it work. Even when uh, life is going crazy, they're, you know, they're committed to to making it work. I love it. Absolutely. You have to have a little bit of that, right? If not more than a little bit, otherwise, otherwise you might not be around too, too long. That's right. So William, let, let's go back in time, back to that. You're still working at the company. These doodles are, I mean, we should probably call them more than just doodles, but they're starting to kind of catch on. And like you said, it, almost like the, the light goes off in, in your head, right? You're, you're thinking about entrepreneurship. What was that process like in terms of going from nine to five employee to what was kind of the build up or the lead up to deciding, okay, I want to start my business and then actually pulling the trigger and, and quitting your job? Great question. So it was definitely a, uh, a slow build. It wasn't like a one day I just said, I'm going to quit. Mm -hmm. um, it was a thing that definitely unfolded slowly over probably about six months. But in essence, I, uh, you know, because I was starting to draw in meetings at work, I was essentially prototyping the product with a real captive audience, seeing what people liked, seeing what, didn't, what they didn't like, seeing how it was best utilized. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't get that opportunity to kind of prototype their their product or service in kind of a controlled laboratory environment, which is essentially what what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, but then it started to build when folks outside of the company, uh, like either people visiting the corporate office or the agency partners that, that we were working with would see what I was doing and then ask me to come do that for them and pay me. Mm -hmm. That was when the prototyping started turning into actual validation. So I was prototyping the product and then I started validated by seeing what people would be, be willing to pay um, and how they would receive it and how I can add the most value. And so I probably had maybe four or five uh, gigs, as I called them, as we call them now, where I would use PTO to go and leave and go to a company event or, or a conference and, and do the sketching thing, figuring out what to charge, figuring out um, how to scope it, how to put together like this creative service into a package that people paid for. But uh, I had a thing in Dallas that I was flown out to, Dallas, Texas, and then had another one down in um, Orlando, Florida, and then a few in Atlanta, and then and then there were and then there were two clients that wanted to hire me to come to their conference in DC and in New Orleans in January, uh, which was about five or six months down the road. I thought, hey, this is kind of cool. Like people are willing to like book me to come to this event that's months from now. So at that point, I realized this is this is cool. This is fun. People are people are 
are, uh, are, are validating my work in the form of paying me to do it and flying me, booking me hotels and flights. And so it was at, it was at that moment where I thought this is, it's time to make a jump. Um, so that whole journey from initial prototyping to using PTO to do these gigs was probably about six months. Right. Um, but, uh, and, and then also I had people at my company tell me, they say, William, if you start this business, I will literally hire you to come back and do it tomorrow. Right. So I kind of knew that I was going to have a built-in client already in addition to the, you know, five or six others that had already committed to, to work with me. So that was, that's a quick recap of that, of that process of going from, uh, just doodling to stepping out and starting a business. Yeah. And, and it's such a great and kind of natural way to do it. I, I say from, from the dozens and dozens of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs that I've talked to it, they kind of fall under two camps. The first camp is they quit and they just try to start day one, you know, the next day with, with kind of nothing. And a lot of people figure it out that way. It just might take a little bit longer and you might lose a little bit more sleep the first few weeks or the first few months. And then there's the second camp, which you're clearly in, which is more of the, you know, figuring it out while you're still fully employed. I mean, one way to look at it, Will, is like you were getting paid to test, you know, test this out and they ended up becoming one of your clients. So it's it's almost like, you know, you couldn't have you couldn't have done it better. When you have people as you said paying you money, booking you flights, there's no better validation, right? Exactly. So uh, so that that sounds like a great way to do it. Now, can you talk us through kind of like the first 6 to 12 months? You you quit your job, you have a couple clients lined up. How did you kind of work through the first bit? You know, what was like the first day like, right? You wake up, you, you don't have to go into an office. You're your own boss. You have some clients, but I'm assuming, you know, you still wanted to build up the client list. Did you have your pricing down? You know, walk us through the first maybe six months of, of what that was like. So the first six months was definitely a learning curve. Um, you know, in hindsight, I, I'm glad I did not know what I did not know at the time. And because had I known, I may have, <laughs> I may have not wanted to do it because it, right. it, it was a lot of work. Um, you know, there were some nights where I was working until four or five in the morning to get the client work done. Because you know, like I said, for the first couple of years, it was just me um, doing everything, doing the sales, doing the operations, doing the actual delivery of our of the product, doing the actual drawing and sketching. So learned a lot, but my mindset was always, I was always oriented towards action. So taking whatever is the next step I can take. And, um, you know, whether that was getting a really crude website set up, hiring somebody to build that for me, um, getting my books set up, because I didn't know anything about accounting or, or you know, anything about that. Um, figuring out what to charge, you know, because sometimes I would put a price tag on it and be like, oh, that's super high. No one's going to buy it. But then they say yes. And then I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> or the opposite where I, I, I make it, um, I, I go really high and then, you know, no one wants to buy it. So a lot of just figuring it out, but just taking it step at a time, um, continuing to try to make it better. I'm a big believer in just the, the kind of make it better mindset of like what I'm doing now, everything can be improved um, right. no matter what it is. And so, yeah, those first six months was a lot of work. It was hard. I remember one time I remember sitting with my wife and kind of looking at the books and at the time had no idea how to read a PL or anything like that. And at, we looked at the numbers and we thought, I'm not making any money. This is not, this is not working. Um, turns out we had made an error with how we calculated it. So it wasn't as bad as it seemed, but I remember 
it was a, that was a really dire moment where I where we kind of crunched the numbers and thought that the business wasn't profitable. Um, but yeah, every day was an adventure and just not knowing what I didn't know, but committing to learn every day and continuing to make it better. Right. What would you tell someone then who's uh, about to be in that position? Maybe someone who's uh, about to go out on their own or just started on their own, maybe two or three tips or pieces of advice that you wish you did know uh, back in those days. So I love this question because it's tapping into the heart of my new thing. <laughs> you know, uh, as an, as an entrepreneur, you're always thinking of the next thing. Um, but my new, uh, my new side hustle, if you want to call it that is a platform which is geared to give advice, just like you're, you're soliciting right now. Um, because now that I'm eight, almost eight years into this, in hindsight, there are a lot of things that I've learned along the way that I did not know when I started. And so I've created a new platform. It's called theconqueringcreative.com, also on Instagram at theconqueringcreative. But the whole purpose of that is just to offer no-nonsense business advice for creatives who are looking to start their own business, looking to make their side hustle, their main hustle, or maybe they have their own business and they're just trying to take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. um, so no nonsense business advice, but also some practical resources. Like uh, there's a business model canvas that people can download, um, a delegation guide, a handful of other things. And then also finally encouragement and just sort of some kind of some words of positivity because it is a, it's a hard road, it's a lonely road. And if you're not staying, um, encouraged and positive, you'll, you'll burn out. But to answer your question, the, the two things that I always harp on for people that are contemplating starting their own thing or going off on their own or making their side hustle, their main hustle is number one is to audit your time. Um, in the early days, your time is your most precious, well, not early to any time, honestly, your time is your most precious resource, especially for creative entrepreneurs, which I was and you know, most of my audience at the Concrete Creative are. Your time is your most precious resource. It's the only thing that you cannot replenish. It's dwindling. It's finite. And um, I think a lot of creatives don't spend enough time analyzing what they're spending their time on. And so I'm a huge believer in time tracking. Every, everything I do, I'm tracking my time. I'm auditing it. I'm looking at where my time's going. What, what, where, where did I spend my time on things that added value? And where did I spend my time on things that were, that were a waste? Um, because as an entrepreneur, you want to deploy your time into the areas that will drive the most impact. So a good example for that, that one of my mistakes is I waited way too long to delegate invoicing. For like two or three years, I did all my invoicing, maybe because it was a control thing, I don't know. But I remember I would spend every other Friday or every Friday adding up my invoices and sending, you know, sending them out. It would take me hours and hours and hours and I hated it and I would make mistakes and I would get things wrong. And then finally, about three years in, I hired um, someone and what, one of her roles was to do invoicing and she was good at it and she liked it and she was sharp and she could do it faster than me. And I, I, I kind of joked that my favorite meeting I ever have was our invoice review because it would take, it would be like 20 minutes. We just run the invoices and I'd say, looks good, looks good, looks good. Great. Send them. And just remember that once upon a time, I would spend hours doing that. Mm -hmm. So the, the time thing is a, is a big one. And then, and then related to that is also look for things you can delegate as soon as possible. And a lot of solopreneurs, the word delegation doesn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't really seem like something that they need to worry about because when you think of delegation, you think about asking some low level intern to do something or, or some employee, but delegation is any, is getting anyone or anything to do something that isn't worth your time or you're not good at, or you don't love. So 
a good example might be getting invoicing software or getting, um, you know, a, a accounting software. That's a form of delegation because you're basically trusting the software to do it um, or mm -hmm. hiring someone to do your taxes or hiring someone to set up your LLC or in my, in my case, getting someone to do invoicing um, or, you know, whatever that thing is, I, I, I encourage creatives to consider what are they good at? What are they, what do they love? Um, what is something that only they can do? And if it's worth their time, if the answer is no to any of those things, then you should try to get that off your plate. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, those are two things that I would, in, in hindsight, I wish I had, had done better job from the outset is just looking at my time more closely and then also delegating more, uh, more deliberately. Yeah, that that's really great advice. I mean, the reality too is as a solopreneur, you're you're going to hit your upper limit in terms of revenue, unless you start delegating. Right, you're just going to run out of hours in the day. Uh, so, uh, which also kind of segues to what I wanted to ask next, which is after those first two three years, I'd love to hear a little bit more about growing the team, right? Hiring, what, what was that like, right? Going from one person to two or, you know, getting to three, four, you know, people on the team. What has that kind of evolution and, and growth of the company been like? And, uh, you know, how different has it been? Is, is, is it uh, enjoyable for the same ways that the solopreneur success has been? Or, you know, maybe contrast the two evolutions of the company? Sure, that's a great question. So. I had dabbled with hiring during those first couple years in the form of working with contractors and then uh, hired a part-time admin and a few other things. So I'd kind of dipped my toe in the water of hiring a little bit. And that's another bit of advice I would give is always to, you know, try before you buy, like do, mm -hmm. a, do a test drive before you, before you uh, pull the trigger, date before you marry. I'm a huge believer that, you know, you don't want to go out and be like, I'm going to hire these people and then just hire a bunch of people. And then you're stuck with maybe not the right people. But if you, if you can kind of test drive people, I guess it's kind of a weird, weird way to phrase it. But if you can kind of test drive a employee, employer relationship, and if it's working, then you can fully commit. If it's not working, you can kind of um, cut your losses and, and, and move on. But I mentioned earlier that I, I just, I love teams. I love working with people. And so after about two years, I, I realized that I needed to start getting a team around me. One, because I was, I, I love, I love working with people, but also to your point, I, there was a, there was a cap on, on how successful, how high the business could grow, just relying on me and a couple contractors. So what I did was I looked at my time and I said, what are some things that I could get someone else to do that would free me up to make the most impact and work on the business versus working in the business? And so for me, that was, um, it was storyboarding. It was it was doing some rough sketches. It's about a handful of kind of creative tasks that somebody else could do, and so I hired my first employee to help me with that, and that just freed up my time again to focus on the business. And so then a few a few months later, I realized that hey, we're going fast. I need someone who can do all the operational stuff, who can liaison with clients, who can uh, run timelines, who can um, you know quarterback with our contractors, and so. The next hire was a full-time operations person, which was amazing. And she's still with me to this day. Mm -hmm. um, so that was just amazing growth happened at that point because all of a sudden I wasn't worrying about sending deliverables or doing timelines or you know running the projects. I could focus again on, on that growing the business piece. 
And um, yeah, and then from there, it was just kind of continuing to make hires when it made sense. So we hired a full-time animator and then another full-time illustrator and then eventually a second operations person who was the invoicing person I told you about. And um, yeah, made some mistakes, made, made some bad hires, but made a lot of good hires too. And that's the thing is you just want to make sure you're getting the right people on the, on the bus. Um, and uh, those that don't belong there, try to get, get them off as soon as possible. Right. Yeah. It, it's so important, right? I mean, a, a company is only as good as, as the people that are, that are running it. Do you have one or two quick tips, Will, on, on hiring besides the kind of, you know, date before you get married? Because I think the other thing that people often overlook is, you know, if it's not a good fit, it's probably not a good fit for both sides, right? So, exactly. so like you said, you know, pull, pull the, pull the plug, rip the bandaid and, and both parties will probably be better, better off in the long run. Exactly. This, this is another kind of area that we could talk about, but I think a huge um, factor in hiring is culture and mm. knowing what is your culture and then vetting that in your applicants. So at the Sketch Effect, we have six core values. We have a mission statement. We have a purpose statement. So why are we even doing this besides just to have a job and to make money? But like, what is the deeper purpose? And then we also have a vision statement. And so what we do in our interviews is we weave in questions that are wired that are, that are designed to get an understanding of if this person lines up with those core values and gets can get excited about the purpose. Um, so one of our core values is positivity. We like to brighten everyone's day. It's part of our, our culture. We want to have fun. We want our clients to feel like they enjoy you know, enjoy uh, working with us. And so we vet that in hiring, you know, if somebody comes in and they're just stone faced the whole time and they're, they're just, they're just oozing with like, I don't know, what's the opposite of positive negativity or, <laughs> or you can kind of get a sense of that, then, then they're not going to get very far in our hiring process. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, one, that's one thing that we've done is we've, we've tried to, we've tried to embed our core values in our questions. We ask applicants and see if they line up. And then we continue to vet them once they're hired. Um, if there's something that they're doing that's really well, we call it out and give them a shout out. And then we tie it back to one of the core values. Like, hey, so-and-so did a really great job of demonstrating adaptability. This is how they did it. Great job. Here's here's a $20 gift card or whatever. And the same time, if somebody slips up and does something that you know we want to call out, well, one, we do it privately. We don't do it publicly. And we always tie it back to a core value and say, hey, that the way you talk to so-and-so really didn't line up with our core value of positivity or the way that you, you know, the way this thing happened didn't line up with our core value of whatever. Um, so we, we tie it, we try to tie it all back to the core values and to our key behaviors, which has been, has been really, really healthy way to go about developing, not only hiring people, but also developing them. Yeah. I, I love that. I think ultimately what you've done with that is you're objectifying something that it can inherently be very subjective, right? Are you a good employee? Or are you a bad employee, right? Which is can be entirely subjective, but you know, kind of along the lines of the the Ray Dalio kind of principles approach. You know, you have these core values. People see them. You know, you're actually evaluating people based on them. You're not just kind of, oh, hey, here's the resume, et cetera, et cetera. And then everything, good and bad, is being linked back to them. So it's it's much easier for people to make that connection. And probably learn from it and, and not make the same mistakes or continue to make those uh, those great decisions and, and continuing to grow the company. That's really great, Will. I, that's probably one key takeaway of, of many that I'll uh, be taking from this, which is awesome. 
So, well, I just want to spend the last few minutes chatting about your side hustle, right? As you said, entrepreneurs typically, you know, you always got something going on back of your mind or, you know, side hustle sort of thing. How did this one come to be? And how do you now manage your time considering, you know, business owner, you got a big team, I'm sure that, you know, has enough uh, responsibilities, side hustle. How, how do you split your time? How do you manage the two of them? Man, amazing question. I'm still trying to figure out the second part of that with the, the time piece. Um, but yeah, this new this new side hustle really kind of just emerged from something I've been wanting, you know, something I've been wanting to do for a long time, which is to kind of give back to people that are on the same journey that I have been on, but are at earlier stages. And you know, I love I love content creation. I love writing. I love drawing. As a CEO, I don't do that much of it anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm spending most of my nine to five, you know, working with the team, managing my employees, doing product development and strategy and stuff like that. So it's almost like a new outlet for me to draw and to write and to get my thoughts out on paper or on the page. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's almost ironic to hear that, Will, because you you started this new company to go back to drawing and now you've kind of come, you know, full circle, but you're not drawing it. You, like you said, you have the CEO duties. Yeah. Um, and so then you're naturally kind of pulled back towards the drawing again. Uh, but obviously in a much, you know, really good uh, scenario right now. But anyways, I cut you off there. No, that's a, that's an amazing uh, paradox and, and it's, not, it's not lost on me. <laughs> and, and I actually did a podcast interview a week or so ago with a, um, with uh, an art school or an art um, kind of a work art based podcast. And they asked me that question and, um, you know, I have to build in rhythms of creativity into my, into my life or else again, the same thing's going to happen. So right. it's an amazing, uh, amazing uh, point or paradox you pointed out, but yeah, so I, I just love, um, I've, I've loved learning about business and looking back, I, I think it's less intimidating and less scary than a lot of, creatives think it's going to be it's also less boring um <laughs> so that's sort of the that's what that's what we're trying to uh, conquer is we're trying to conquer the uh the false notion that business is really really hard i mean it is hard but it's not impossible we're trying to conquer the notion that business is uh boring or not exciting and it is, it is it's very exciting it's an adventure it can unlock so much potential for a creative and then we're also trying to conquer the um the assumption that business is uh, is uh, what's the last one? Uh, boring, scary, or intimidating? I'm not sure, but we're trying to conquer all that. We're trying to I'm trying to help people understand that that um, that they can do it. They have what it takes, and if they don't have it, they can learn it. And so um, so yeah, it's been fun. I've been doing blogs on the website, some content on Instagram thinking about um, about to get a YouTube channel up and running and then eventually want to do a podcast because I, I love the medium of podcasts. I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of what, what we've been doing. And it's been it's been a lot of fun and not sure where it's going to go. But I think it's one of those things that could expand one day. I, I do love writing um, that goes back to my you know undergrad days. I love writing. So maybe a book down the road might be something I want to try. But it's right now we're just having fun. It's not monetized. It's just a content platform, and um, yeah, I would love for people to check it out if it seems seems interesting for them. Absolutely, and we're going to link to uh, both the websites, uh, the Sketch Effect and uh, the Conquering Creative, in the description. Whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to the podcast, we'll have that in the description 
below. So, well, last question for you is uh, to, to those maybe creatives out there, maybe they're not creatives, right? Maybe they're your average Joe or, you know, whoever, a, a young professional, they're working a nine to five, they're thinking about something like this, going out on their own. Do you have maybe one or two more general pieces of advice? What, what would you tell them or, or what would you tell yourself, you know, uh, William working at the marketing company way back way back when having known what you know now and having been through the the really awesome journey that you've been through so far the first thing i would say is don't underestimate the power of a network um, just having friends and a network will pay dividends down the road and, and you know you might make some relationships now that don't uh you know don't don't uh, return any value for years, but down the road, they might make that one connection or introduce you to that client. And so I think for, for a lot of creatives, a lot of people that are kind of in that, in that state, the, the notion of, of networking is kind of like horrible. Like the, the thought, the thought of going to some like cheesy hotel bar and like talking to strangers is, is awful. So that's not the kind of network I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting plugged into a community, getting plugged into uh, a peer group, an entrepreneur group, um, a side hustler group. There's these networks everywhere. So in Atlanta, here where I live, I, I joined one almost right away. And it was just, it was me, it was six or other entrepreneurs. We had a mentor or coach. We met for once a month for almost four years. And just hmm. those relationships built more relationships in the network grew. And so, um, yeah, don't, uh, don't underestimate the power of building a good network, even if you feel like it's not needed at the moment. Because mm -hmm. um, it all comes down to it comes down to relationships. It comes down to who you know and having the right connection. So be deliberate about about building that. And then um, the other bit of advice I would give is to work on your self leadership. Like you know, you might not be leading a business yet. You might be just kind of doing your grind nine to five thing, kind of working the working the lame job, and you might not be you might not feel inclined to like work on your, on your, on yourself and kind of build good habits and build good financial rhythms and, and uh, learn communication skills. Um, but it's never, it's never too early to start working on that stuff. Um, not only will it benefit you in your, in your current job, but it will also set you up for success down the road. So work on your, you know, work on your time management, your budgeting, uh, your, your health, like, like, try not to sleep in too late, like all these things that I remember looking back on when I was in my mid twenties, like stuff I wish I had just done sooner. Um, I kind of gotten, gotten control over some parts of my life. So those are two kind of general bits of advice that I would give to, to people that are in that, in that phase. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that the two really interesting parts about them is, like you said, number one, it's never too early for either, right? No matter what you're, even if you're staying in a nine to five for another decade or two, right? Expanding yep. your network, never right. a bad thing. Maybe you get fired. Maybe you start a business. Maybe you don't, whatever, whatever. Um, and then, you know, personal, mental, physical health, right? Kind of kind of goes without saying. They also have compounding effects, right? The, the healthier you are, the the better you're going to work, maybe you get a raise quicker, maybe maybe your yep. business does better because you're healthier, you're thinking straighter. So they both actually really go hand in hand uh, exactly. quite well. Awesome. Well, well, this has been incredible. Loved hearing your, your story, your journey, the the main hustle, the side hustles. It's 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 all great. Can you let us know one more time, maybe a little bit about the, the two websites or where people can find you? 
Sure. Yeah. If people are interested in learning more about what we do with the sketch effect, how we go and doodle in meetings and uh, do all that kind of crazy stuff, uh, go to the sketch effect.com. We actually just launched a brand new website. It's uh, a few months old and we love it. A lot of cool content on there. And then if the, um, if you're, you know, if you're a creative uh, entrepreneur or solopreneur, or you're thinking about leaving your job and starting your thing, or you have your side thing, you want to make it your main thing that I would encourage them to check out the conquering creative com. That's um, the new platform I'm working on. There's a lot of resources there, some blogs, um, other podcast interviews, and then shoot me an, shoot me an email and let me know what is something that what's a topic that you'd like me to cover and dig into. Because um, I'm always interested in hearing what people actually need to learn, what they're what they're hun- hungry to learn, and um, yeah, I would love to connect. Awesome. And if you reach out, let them know you came from the Solopreneur Grind podcast episode 96. Will, thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. This is a lot of fun. Great conversation. Hopefully it's a value add to your listeners. And uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Awesome.